This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution. That will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball with MLB insider John Heyman and former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. Welcome into Big Time Baseball. Tony Gwynn Jr., John Heyman. Uh, got a great show lined up for you. Bobby Valentine will join us today. And uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy this interview. He is one of the best characters people we've had in our game and, and I truly believe you will sit back and, and, and enjoy this obviously we got a lot to cover Dodgers are the World Series champ we got a preview of all of the uh, end of the season awards so let's get into it remember you can follow me at Tony Gwynn Jr. on Twitter same with John Heyman you can follow him at John Heyman and now you can follow this show on Twitter. Follow us at RDC underscore BTB. That's Big Time Baseball. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review Big Time Baseball on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcast. John, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited. We got through a season. That is terrific. Absolutely fantastic. And let's pat ourselves on the back. We both picked Dodgers in six. So let's not leave that out. It was nope. Dodgers in six. And uh, I'm not saying we picked a long shot, but uh, we picked it exactly right. So good job by us. Yes, good job. Good job by us. <laughs> and listen, the storylines out of this series, we'll, we'll get to Blake Snell being pulled. Uh, probably, not probably, in my mind, he was definitely pulled before he should have been. Uh, but a couple of the other storylines, uh, Julio Urias ends up playing a starring role, not as a starter, but out of the bullpen, Clayton Kershaw put together two really good starts in the World Series that kind of quiet the chatter down a little bit. Dave Roberts gets over the hump. Uh, and lastly, the money ball versus instincts. Let's start with let's start there, John, because Blake Snell is rolling through this game. Different than he's looked in any start in the playoffs. I would guess better than he's looked at any point during the season. Uh, not a lot of good swings off him. There's a line drive single. Kevin Cash couldn't get out of the dugout fast enough to bring in Anderson out of the bullpen. From that point on, the game changed. The Dodgers put up two runs that inning. They'd add some insurance, and they walk away the World Series, and Kevin Cash, John, he had to answer some, some pretty tough questions after that game. 
Absolutely did. And I will say this about Kevin Cash. He had a terrific season. He's uh, one of the finalists for manager of the year. I I think he probably will win that award. I think he probably deserves that award. Um, He did a great job to get a team that was 28th in payroll uh, to within two wins of the World Series championship. So it's been a great job for him. And this is the way they've done it all along. I I don't know whether it's completely a script, but uh, Snell never pitched in a seventh inning all year and uh, five and two thirds tied his high for the innings for the year. And, um, you know, that's the way they do it. And I, I do see that people were saying that his stuff was going down, that the uh, spin rate was going down. The velocity wasn't quite there. He had a couple pitches in the low nineties. Uh, for me, uh, I'm looking at their ACE. Uh, I know that the guy is quite a competitor at that point. He had nine strikeouts, zero walks, uh, only two hits. Barnes had just singled, and uh, the biggest thing, only 73 pitches. I, I would have stuck with him. Uh, beyond that, Anderson, who had been a, a, their best reliever during the season, had not been very good lately. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure that was the right move either. So uh, I do think there was reason for questioning uh, Kevin Cash on that move. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I, I watched every pitch of that game, and I just cannot get over the fact that the swings that I saw from the Dodgers in that game, even leading into that inning, there was nothing that indicated to me that they were about to start getting to, to Blake Snell. I know you had to single up the middle, uh, but it just didn't seem like that was should have been an indication that he should come out the game. Nevertheless, Kevin Cash makes the move. Uh, you get, I believe it was a double and then a wild pitch, and next thing you know, the game is tied. Or excuse me, the game is, uh, is is now in the Dodgers' favor. And as I said, they would go on uh, to win that game. Uh, Julio yeah, Urias. You know, yeah, you know what? I was going to say one more thing on that, Tony. Um, you know, you know, uh, Mookie Betts and some of the Dodgers players that even said they were happy to see Snell out of the game. You know, uh, you know, they were 0 for 6, the top three hitters, and their three best hitters, uh, Turner and uh, Betts and Seager, 0 for 6 with six strikeouts. Muncie, the fourth hitter, was 0 for 2. Uh, with a strikeout and a tap back. And they were quoted as saying right after it that they were thrilled that he was out. And beyond that, I know Dodger people who in the organization were just texting back and forth and watching the game. Uh, they were all thrilled to see uh, Snell out of the game. So, uh, you know, uh, it, it was a questionable move. But, uh, you know, I, it's, I you can understand why the Rays stick basically the way they do it because it, it's it's part of the reason they were there in the first place so i you know I'm, i can't kill them but uh, i wouldn't have done it listen there, there's a clear plan for the rays and they stick by it and the evidence is that as you mentioned blake snow had never thrown that many innings really all season long they have steadily taken him out uh as you mentioned he hasn't got to six inning mark all season long so it's not a stretch to say that wouldn't happen in a World Series, and that's exactly the script they followed. And you're right, to a man, whether it was Mookie Betts, I heard, Dave Roberts, Cody Bellinger, they all said the same exact thing. We were happy, uh, thrilled to get him out of the game because I think, as Bellinger said, he was disgusting out, up there on the mound. So uh, it's certainly something that the Rays and the players, for the standpoint, will have to uh, live with you know, moving forward. Now, on the Dodgers side, a couple good storylines. Uh, Julio Urias, who has been uh, one of their young upcoming stars for quite some time, 
really got a chance to be on the big stage and he performed well. It wasn't as a starter, John. It was as a reliever. He gave them some quality, quality innings and was the pitcher that got to be on the mound to get the final out in that World Series. Yeah, I think going in, uh, they saw Urias as behind Gonsolin and certainly May uh, in their kind of mind, and uh, they adjusted and give them credit. Urias, uh, this is beyond analytics now. He had that look in his eye, and, uh, you know, he really wanted to be out there. Some guys are just big game pitchers. I mean, obviously, we know Smoltz and Schilling and Bumgarner, they love it, and, uh you know, they're great on the big stage, and Urias just looked like that guy. So, uh, you know, I give Dave Roberts credit, uh, one of our former guests. And, I again, I think we now do a great job of uh, picking the games. We do a great job of picking the guests, and uh, we're, it, they seem to be very fortunate to be on because whatever guests we picked, they all made the playoffs, and uh, we had Roberts on, and he wins the World Series. Uh, I think, uh, you know, he made the great call to do that, to go away from Kenley Jansen, their closer, their high-priced closer, who'd been their guy, and or anybody else, and to go to a starter. And uh, I think it was just a great call by uh, Dave Roberts, and uh, it was good to see him make that call. Yeah, and that goes beyond the gut. That That's just the eyeball test. You you, you saw Urias a couple nights before come out, pitch well, uh, and you knew after Kinley had the tough loss that he had to deal with uh, in Game 5, that they likely weren't going back to that well. And uh, for Urias to step up the way he did uh, was was a, was a big moment for him. I, I look for him to make a big step next year because of this. Now, the other storyline, John, is Clayton Kershaw, who has been getting hammered over the past few years for his postseason struggles. I have fought back on that argument for quite a while because uh, in years past, I think we mentioned it on the show, John, Clayton has had to pitch longer than maybe he should because there was a lack of trust or a lack of depth in the bullpen in past postseasons. Um, that wasn't the case this year. And I think because of that, he benefited. He got to pitch uh, up to the max of where he probably should and then came out and his bullpen was able to to hold down two leads for him. And because of that, he had a, a, a really good postseason this year, uh, pitching the, throwing the ball very well, John. Yeah, I'm with you. He had a great season, um, and it was a shortened season. Maybe that helped. I didn't throw his usual 200 or so innings. Um, you know, I, I do think uh, I'm with you, really. I, I think I think your call is correct. I think part of the problem was not just the, the fact they didn't have a deep bullpen. It was managers, and they've had very good managers. Joe Torrey, Hall of Famer, Mattingly, who we had on, who's fantastic. Dave Roberts, I, I feel like they defer to him. You know, I, I just felt like they, they didn't want to take him out. Um, I mean, he's the leader of that team. Uh, he's a strong personality. And, you know, I, you know, I don't know what was in the back of their mind that they figured they'd be criticized less. I, I, don't, I don't think that's it. I think it's more that their relationship with Kershaw and their belief in him and, and overbelief. Because if you look at his record, it's not too bad in the first six innings, but after the after, when you start the seventh inning, uh, he's got like a seven ERA going forward in the postseason. I also, get, you know, the Houston thing was not fair because they obviously cheated. I think St. Louis, the way they killed him so many times, they must have figured out something about the way he was tipping pitches or something. I don't, I don't, and they were good, but I don't think they were that good. Uh, so I think it was a little bit of a bum rap. It, you know, he'll never be seen as, a, 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 you know, a bum gardener or a smoltz or a shilling, but I think this put to bed a lot of the. Uh, back talk about his not being a big game pitcher. 
You know, you know who his numbers stack up with. They stack up with guys like Greg Maddox and and Tom Glavin in the playoffs. And we don't even talk about their postseason flaws. We only talk about them as great pitchers. I think Clayton Kershaw will be in that same boat when it's all said and done. Uh, the last storyline for the Dodgers is Dave Roberts. I, I remember uh, doing the show with you last year, John, and really unsure what the direction was going to be for the Dodgers after they got after they got uh, you know bounced out of the playoffs by the Nationals. It, it didn't seem like there was uh, a lot of faith in, in in Dave Roberts, which I thought was crazy. But he he ended up getting over the hump in this crazy pandemic season, which you could argue was just as tough going through 162 because of the the the, the things you had to deal with as a team. He gets his team all the way through, and uh, he finally gets that championship ring he's been searching for. Well, managing is just such a tough job, and there's so much pressure on on the manager with the uh, kind of conceded to be best team or the team with the most talent. And I mean, I'm not the only one who was picking the Dodgers year in and year out. I mean, they, on paper, they look fantastic. I mean, this the last couple of years, they look like the best team. I don't know if we'd say that before that, but they certainly were among the best teams and that uh, stretch of not winning the world series. I mean, of course it's not like the Red Sox or the Cubs breaking the jinx, but it's hard to believe that they, they've had such a good team and they've won eight straight division titles and they hadn't won a World Series since that incredible 1988 season uh, with Oral Hershiser and Kirk Gibson with the home run and they've gone 31 seasons in a row and not gotten the job done. Now, Dave Roberts is only there for the last few, but I do think the pressure was on him. I don't think that people in L.A. are any more relaxed than anywhere else. I think that is a misnomer. I think that uh, he's got a lot of pressure and uh, he handled it well. And uh, it's good to see such a good guy uh, uh, get what he deserved in the end because he is a very, very good manager. Um, you know, it's just uh, so much pressure. I mean, we just saw Rick Renteria uh, get fired after being one of the three finalists or actually before. Now we know he's one of the three finalists for AL Manager of the Year. Uh, it's not an easy job. So. Uh, you know, give him credit. Good, good job by Doc. Yeah, well, you know, you segue into the next part of our show here in a sec, but I think we got to talk about what's probably considered the only low light of the uh, World Series, and that was uh, Justin Turner stiff arming the security uh, to celebrate after testing positive for for COVID nineteen caused a lot of stir, John. Yeah, a very good guy who's uh, done a lot of charitable work and is great in the clubhouse. Very good guy. Very, very bad decision. Uh, I mean, I know the MLB people sternly warned him, as they mentioned in their um, in their statement about the situation, not to go on the field once he's COVID positive. Uh, and he, he did go on the field, even had the mask off briefly. He's surrounded by people. He's in the picture next to Dave Roberts, who had beaten lymphoma. One time, uh, I know he's beaten it. It's not it probably on his foremost on his mind now. But, uh, you know, I, I get that Turner had waited decades, really literally, to, to, to be in this situation. And what a disappointment it must be to find out in the middle of the game that you're COVID positive and you have to be quarantined instead of on the field celebrating with your teammates. Uh, you know, maybe he thought that was uh, – I don't, I don't know. He, I mean, certainly – didn't want to miss the moment, but the reality of it is, uh, you know, millions of people across America have missed big moments. We've had missed weddings. We've missed uh, all sorts of celebrations. Many things are missed. School, people aren't going to school. 
And, uh, you know, they told him to stay in there and he, he should have listened. He he's clearly did the, the wrong thing uh, there. So uh, there's no other way to look at it, really. There is. A, I, I certainly sympathize as a former player, though, who, who never reached this pinnacle. Um, how that must have made him feel when he found out that he couldn't. You know, it's almost it's a selfish. I, I get it. It's a selfish act. But I do have sympathy for him in terms of working that hard to get to this point and then not being able to actually experience it. That would be, that would be devastating, but you're right, John, the, the, the right thing to do would have been to stay in the, in the, the area that they had him and, and just keep everybody and their family safe. But uh, something he'll have to uh, work through over this offseason. All right, let's move into the next part of our show. After the, one of the best parts of the end of the season is we get to find out who will be the guys who take home the hardware for the season awards? We have our finalists, uh, AL MVP finalists. We got Jose Abreu, DJ LeMahieu, and Jose Ramirez, who had a torrent second half to to put himself on this list. John, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Jose Abreu. He's basically been my pick throughout. I know Tim Anderson uh, uh, nominated him uh, halfway through, and uh, Anderson was clearly a top candidate. He still is a top candidate, even if he isn't going to be in the top three. Abreu, if you look at the numbers, I mean, he was dominant uh, in all sorts of categories. Fantastic. I know he's a leader in that clubhouse. Uh, the, the White Sox made that step that we all thought they could make, and uh, I think he's a big part of it. Uh, to me, it should be Abreu. We'll, we'll find out next week uh, whether I'm right, <laughs> but uh, that's my pick. Where, where do you think, Tony? I'm, I'm right there with you, Jose Abreu. Uh, looked like he put himself in some of the best shape he's been in since being in the major leagues, and and it showed. It showed well. He swung the bat well. He was the catalyst for that offense, and, and I agree. We're going to move through these pretty quickly because we got quite a few to get through. NL MVP finalists, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Manny Machado. Now, remember, these are regular season awards. Keep that in mind. Who you got, John? Yeah, I. you know what? Marcelo Ozuna and uh... – Corey Seager uh, had fantastic years and didn't even make the top three. Maybe they're four and five. Uh, so, I mean, obviously Machado and Betts were fantastic. We saw Betts in the postseason. You know, I, I got to go with Freeman, though. I, I, I thought he made the biggest impact. And certainly in this year with COVID where he started out, uh, where he had it. And, uh, you know, at some point thought he was in big trouble with the COVID. It came out and, uh, you know, to me, he had the big hits and uh, he was the best player in my mind anyway. I agree with you. We are two for two on the same page. <laughs> to AL Cy Young finalists, Shane Bieber, Kenta Maeda, and Young Jun Ryu, two former Dodgers on the Cy Young Award list for the AL. Wow, that just shows you how deep the Dodgers were. And we know David Price also opted out, and uh, obviously they traded Stripling. They still thought they had so many pitchers. Obviously, uh, Ryu and Ayeda were fantastic, but uh, Bieber's obviously the Cy Young winner. So I think we're going to be three for three at this point. Yeah, Bieber, I don't think this one's really that close. I, I think Bieber Bieber was that good this year. He deserve, definitely deserves. Now, the NL Cy Young, I think it's going to be a much closer race. You got Trevor Bauer, Hugh Darvis, and Jacob DeGrom. John, who are you going with on this one? Yeah, I can't tell you, Tony. No, that's right. You're not. <laughs> <O'Connell>. <laughs> you don't want to. If I told you, I'd have to kill you. No, uh, Jack O'Connell would be uh, banging on my door. So uh, I'll let, okay. I'm going to defer to you on this one. That is uh, that's my that, vote. That's the vote that I had, so I can't reveal it until they announce it next Yeah, week. John is an actual voter on this one, so he cannot actually tell us who he is. I'll tell you who I like. 
And this is, might not be the most popular vote, but I think you Darvish is deserving of it. I thought uh, the way he bounced back the year that he put together with the Cubs, uh, when you look at his numbers, he's right there. He's right at the top of the list for a lot of these things. It's either him or Bauer. Uh, and, and so obviously I think it's going to come down to one of those two guys, but I'm going with you Darvish. All right, let's move to AL manager of the year. This one's a little bit weird. Kevin Cash. Charlie Montoya and the recently fired Rick Renteria of the Chicago White Sox, all manager of the year finalists. Who you got? Yeah, I mean, Renteria did a good job until the end. Montoya, fantastic. They didn't have a home. Give him credit. But I, I thought Cash was the manager of the year in the American League. Now, did Cash win it last year? I think I think he did. I don't recall. I don't. I think he did. I'll, I'll, I'll I, I, I I I always feel if he in, if he did win ended up winning that last year. I always feel like that is an uphill battle to win it back to back years. And for that reason, I'm gonna say Rick Renneria ends up getting this award. Wow! It, it will wow. be. It will be a. Uh, it will be certainly a little awkward, uh, considering that he is no longer the manager. And it's I, I wow. Can't think I can't think of another one, uh, at least in Major League Baseball history, where a manager has won Manager of the Year and also been fired in that same season. So, yeah, um, I, I, I'm not sure that's happened. I looked it up. Rocco Baldelli was actually the manager of the year. Cash was okay. third uh, okay. last year, but wow, that would be something. I, I well, if Jerry Reinsdorf can hand him the award, I guess I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if, if Rick would want to take it, but if Cash didn't win it last year, he's probably the odds-on favorite to win this year. All right, let's move to the National League. Don Mattingly, David Ross, and San Diego's own Jace Tingler. Who you got, John? Well, we had uh, Jace Tingler on, and he did a nice job on our show, but at Mattingly, it's got to be the yeah. guy. I mean, they had 18 guys with COVID. He told us they would be a contender. I think you snickered, if I recall correctly. <laughs> I did, and I, was, I did. And I was thinking of it, So, uh, and he delivered. So uh, he's incredible. Just a, a great, uh, great all-around guy for baseball. Uh, Mattingly is the uh, NL manager of the year. Yeah, I would be a true homer if I told you Jace Tingler, although he is deserving, <laughs> deserving of being in the finalist. The year that Don Mattingly put together – with that Marlins team, with the COVID outbreak that they had to deal with, and still got them into the playoffs and got past the first round, took out the Cubs. Not that that matters in this uh, vote, this 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 uh, matters a year award because it's a, like I said, a regular season award. But uh, I'm very fond of Don Mattingly. I think he's deserving of this, and I, I think he will win this uh, Manager of the Year award in the National League. All right, AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, Christian Javier of the Astros, Kyle Lewis of the Mariners, and Luis Robert uh, for the Chicago White Sox. Who you got on this one, John? Yeah, I thought it was Robert, but he finished 11 for 81. Uh, that's a rough finish. Lewis didn't have a great finish either, but uh, and both are fantastic defenders. Very similar seasons for the two of them. I, I'm going to give it to Lewis uh, by just a hair. Very close, but... Uh, yeah. I think Lewis was a little more consistent offensively. Yeah, both Lewis and uh, Robert hit that kind of rookie wall there at the end, it seemed like. But I think Kyle Lewis did enough damage early, not only offensively, but defensively. Uh, he was he was a, a, a force to be reckoned with for that Mariners. I like Lewis as well. NL Rookie of the Year, uh, you got uh, Alec Bohm, Jake Cronenworth, and Devin Williams, who – was literally unhittable during the regular season. <laughs> yeah, they're all different cases. They're all excellent cases. Any one of the three 
uh, could easily be picked. I, I'm going to pick the guy. I think it's probably going to finish third. Uh, that'd be my guess. But I just thought he, as you said, he was unhittable. Uh, I thought he was extraordinary. So I'm going to go with Williams. Uh, I mean, Cronenworth was in a pennant race and did fantastically. Uh, and Bohm, I mean, looking at uh, how he affected games, even though they didn't win him, win that many games, uh, he was pretty darn good too. And Dustin May was good as well. He obviously wasn't in the top three, but uh, I, I'm going to go with uh, the, the Brewer reliever who was unhittable. Yeah, Devin Wiz. I, I, I'm going to go with Jake Cronenworth. I got a chance to see him on an everyday basis, uh, really come in as a, a guy looking to make a team and, and having such a good spring that he makes the team and then, uh, because of some injury early, he gets to play some first base, and that really opened the door uh, for him to move into the second base position, solidify that spot, and really be one of the catalysts uh, uh, that made this Padres offense such a deep offense. Uh, I like him to win it. I think he was there from day one, and I always, uh, I'm always going to give it to a guy who's out there every day as opposed to maybe a reliever. All right, that does it for our season awards. Uh, we're going to move into some hires and some John Heyman's insider here in a sec. Let's start with the one hire that has taken place since our last show, uh, and that's Tony La Russa being hired by the Chicago White Sox. There's, this has caused a, a, a little bit of noise around baseball, especially in the Chicago White's organization. Uh, John, what are you hearing on the Tony La Russa? Did you like the hire? <laughs> well, I'll say this. It was clearly the owner's hire. Jerry Reinsdorf had – told everybody that this was his greatest regret in sports. And that includes breaking up the Bulls, you know, won six championships. Uh, you know, I guess maybe you don't have a regret because you've already won six championships. Fantastic. I don't know. But uh, firing Tony La Russa in 1986 and uh, sticking with Hawk Harrelson as your GM when the two of them weren't getting along is the greatest regret that Reinsdorf ever had. Uh, maybe the regret part of it was sticking with Harrelson, who was a fantastic announcer, but what a terrible GM he was. Um, so I understand the regret. It's a long time ago. Uh, LaRusso clearly was deserving of the Hall of Fame. I, myself, I think this is a gamble. We'll see. Uh, I think people in the organization aren't necessarily thrilled. Uh, that doesn't mean it's not going to work out. Uh, we're going to see if he's going to relate to the young players. That's a question. Uh, he's had some controversial opinions uh, about kneeling and things like that. And, uh, you know, I've got, I've got my questions, very smart guy. He still got it, but, uh, and he was at the forefront of the numbers game. I mean, they didn't call it analytics, but he was into it. So uh, there's a, and he speaks Spanish too, which is a plus with the, you know, realistically, uh, core of that team, uh, much of it is uh, Latin. So, uh, there's definitely some big pluses to it, but to me, that's a gamble. I, I probably wouldn't have taken Yep, it is certainly a gamble. Uh, anytime you, you bring somebody who is as strong-minded and opinionated as Tony, obviously his baseball acronym is 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 really unmatched. We nobody questions that part. But in terms of being able to relate to a young locker room, we're gonna have to wait and see. And it is it is a bit of a risky hire. Uh, John, let's hop into your insider. A lot of baseball news here as uh, we start to get into free agency. The list. Of Red Sox manager candidates is down to five: Sam Fold, James uh, uh, Rosen, Don Kelly, Carlos Mendoza, and of course Alex Cora. Uh, we've talked about this for a couple of weeks. It seemed as though Alex Cora was the clear front runner. Does that remain the same? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, I'm not privy to their conversations. Um, I did report the five uh, in the last couple of days. Um, it, it certainly. 
an, an excellent group, uh, albeit very short on experience other than Cora. You know, some people are just saying, well, what's Cora's interview? He lays down his World Series ring and that's it. I don't know. You know, he does look like the favorite here. We know that the ownership is in favor of Cora. We know that they were almost tearful when they let him go after the suspension. Um, I, I do think they're star players. Bogert's and Endeavors liked him very much. Uh, I think the fan base generally uh, would like to see Cora back. There is a little bit of, you know, some people were critical of A.J. Hinch being hired by the Tigers. Uh, because of the Houston scandal. And, you know, there's a little bit of that with Cora, but, uh, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be enough to overcome it. I'm going to be surprised if he doesn't get that job. Sam Fold has the connection to Tampa. He's a Stanford guy. He's from New Hampshire. So uh, he certainly has a lot going for him. Uh, Mendoza, Kelly, Rousen, all extremely well thought of uh, coaches. Uh, to hire somebody with no experience, and this goes for Fold as well, uh, no real no major league managing experience in Boston, to me, that's probably a risk. So, uh, you know, the fact that Cora is the only one with experience and not only experience, he won the World Series for them. Uh, you know, I, I think he's still getting it, but, you know, those are the five. It's not going to be anybody else. Yeah, hiring a manager with no experience in Boston is certainly a risk uh, that I don't know the Red Sox want to take. All right, the Angels, uh, they've interviewed up to 20 GM candidates and have started calling people back. Mike Hill from former uh, GM of the, of the Marlins is one of the names who got a call back. What are you hearing on the angels front? Yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, that hasn't been reported yet, but that is correct. Mike Hill uh, has been called is, has been called back and will be in that next group. About a half dozen guys uh, will meet with Artie Moreno. Uh, the reason they were able to interview about 20, we don't know all 20, we know 14, which including Matt Arnold from Milwaukee, Billy Owens uh, from Oakland, uh, Porter uh, from Arizona, uh, you know, Bobby Evans, who was the Giants GM, Ruben Amaro was the Phillies GM, uh, three guys from Kansas City, including Piccolo uh, and Watson and Sharp, Dan Jennings from Washington. It's a long list of guys. But uh, Mike Hill at this point is the one we know who has been called back. Um, he's got the, the most experience of any of them. So uh, maybe they do go with experience there. Uh, he certainly looks like a front runner. I can't say he's the front runner now, but uh, there's going to be about a half dozen out of, the, out of the 20. We don't know six of the guys. So I don't know. We mentioned Ned Coletti as a possibility on a previous show. I don't know if he's one of the uh, remaining unknown six, the mystery candidates. I guess we can call them. We have mystery candidates. Uh, teams in free agency, maybe they're mystery candidates, but uh, uh, Mike Hill looks like uh, a, a favorite at this point, um, and we'll see on the other ones. Logan White is another one uh, who did great work with the Dodgers, uh, drafting Seager, uh, Kershaw, Kemp, uh, Bellinger. I mean, he, his drafting was incredible, uh, and he went to the uh, Padres, and they have a resurgence. So, I shouldn't leave him out. Uh, I, you know, I have, I think he's a pretty strong candidate, as well as Dan Jennings and some of these other guys who are who are, have interviewed. So, but Mike Hill uh, looks like one of the favorites at this point. Yeah, love myself some Logan White, man. That guy can uh, talk some baseball and he can evaluate some talent. All right, let's move to Philly. Uh, they seem to be in no rush to to find a GM. No. What are you hearing on that front? Yeah, I think that uh, you know they looked at. Uh, you know, what the reaction was from the fans, the fact they'd basically been about a 500 team for the last few years, despite big signings. And then they, so they fired their GM, Matt Klintak. 
and uh, they promoted Ned Rice, uh, who was under Klintak. So, um, you know, it's not a, a major change, I guess, but, uh, you know, I guess they were satisfying the fans. Uh, it does feel like Ned Rice is going to get a chance here. I mean, very smart guy. had been with Baltimore previously. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, Andy McPhail has basically got one year to go, and he's basically said he's going to it sounds like he's going to retire after the year. So uh, they may have a whole new look and we'll see how Ned Rice does, but I, it feels like he's getting a chance. I think I've heard connected to, to them uh, interest. And no surprise here. One of our former guests, uh, Eric Neander, who uh, guided the uh, Rays to the world series, their GM uh, that's long-term though. I don't think that's anything afoot with that. Now I think Ned Rice gets a chance and we'll see how he does. You know, you hear Theo's name connected. I hear Theo's name connected to Seattle. But I, I still think after Chicago, he's going to want to look at an ownership situation like Billy Bean is doing right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, six players in uh, Major League Baseball got qualifying offers. Rio Muto, LeMayhew, Bauer, Springer. Uh, and a bit of a surprise, Marcus Stroman and Kevin Gaussman. What are you hearing in terms of them taking the qualifying offer or turning it down? Does Stroman have a chance to stay in New York? Yeah, I mean, very interesting. We, we talked about this a few times previously, and uh, we knew that Bauer, Rio Muto, Springer, and LeMay, who would be getting that qualifying offer, and they all four of them surely will be turning it down. Uh, they can do much better uh, with a multi-year deal, all big stars, uh, Bauer, Rio Muto, Springer, and LeMay, who, as I said, uh, I was a little bit surprised by Stroman. We had Bob Nightingale on. He suggested he might get the qualifying offer. You know, it shows that starting pitching is still – even in this, what's expected to be a very tough winter, maybe even a bloodbath, uh, if you're a solid starter or a decent starter, you may do okay uh, to, you know, for a guy, Stroman, who is rehabbing an injury and then opted out, didn't pitch at all for the Mets. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I was a little surprised they gave him the qualifying offer. They obviously need pitching. We don't know whether part of it is because we think Steve Cohn's coming in. Ultimately, Wilpon has to be responsible for this decision, though. He still has the team. Um, that one surprised me a little bit. I, I think he's probably not going to take it. I, I have not felt like he's really wanted to be with the Mets. You know, he can dispute that if he likes, but my understanding is he had quite a volatile uh, negative reaction when he was traded to the Mets in, in Toronto and he wanted to go to the Yankees. Uh, he's from New York, so I don't know. He liked the Yankees better than the Mets, but uh, some, some, some people in New York too, I guess. Uh, Gosman, I'm shocked. I, I never saw that coming at all. San Francisco made the right calls a couple of years ago or the year before giving Bumgarner the qualifying offer. That was probably easy, but then giving it also uh, to uh, Smith, Will Smith, the reliever. And that paid off when Atlanta signed him to a three, three for 40. That won't be happening now with relievers. No, there aren't going to be relievers getting three for 40. So Hendricks didn't get one. The other guys we felt probably wouldn't get one, didn't get it. DD and, Semyon and uh, uh, Yachty uh, didn't get one. Uh, you know, uh, there were a lot of Simmons. There were a lot of good players. Brantley didn't get one. It's a tough year. It's going to be a tough year, but it's a little bit of a tell that uh, starting pitchers, even though they throw fewer innings now, it's still four or five innings. It's still more than one or two. So uh, they still have a big, uh, big value. Uh, Stroman, I think, will decline. Gosman, to me, he's got to have a probably working on a multi-year they're going to figure it out they, they obviously love him otherwise he's got to just take it you can't go on the market no, with a qualifying no. offer as kevin no offense he's not 
everything I hear, a great guy and a very solid pitcher, but $19 million, that's, that's a lot of money in this market. So Yeah, he's, he's, he, he, if he's not working on a multi-year deal, he 100% has to take yeah, that. Exactly. $19 million virtually is going to be unheard of uh, at, in that market. All right. Uh, the four guys we mentioned, Riamutu, Riamutu Bauer, uh, LeMayu, and Springer. What are some po- potential landing spots for those guys? All right, I'm going to make a guess for all four, and it's it's mostly a guess. Other than LeMayhew, I mean, you know, he wants to be a Yankee, and that ballpark is perfect for him. So I, I'm going to guess uh, he stays with the Yankees and gets uh, three for 60. We, we shall see. That's a big raise, but you know what? He is an MVP finalist, deserving. He might even get more. Uh, I'm going to say Springer. Uh, I'm going to say four for 80. Uh, we're going to ask Bobby about Springer, also a, a great Connecticut athlete like Bobby Valentine was. Uh, I'm going to guess four for 80 in a different market. He'd probably do even better than that, but uh, that'd be my guess. Terrific all-around player. I'm going to say he's going to stay in New England and go for the Red Sox, who are going to let uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. Uh, go somewhere else. That'd be my guess. Uh, Real Mudo. Uh, I'm going to say, you know, it's a tougher market than, you know, I, I, I know he was looking for Maurer. Uh, I thought he wouldn't get that, but might get somewhat close. I'm going to say he gets six for 132. Uh, that's still a lot of money in this market. I don't know. Maybe I'm overshooting it. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say Steve Cohn. Uh, and the Mets have no catcher, right? So, uh, you know, this is the guy that he should sign. He could look at Springer. He could look at Bauer. But I'm going to say Real Mudo goes to the Mets. And uh, Bauer, look, the Giants signal they have money. I'm going to say the Giants. I've heard that whisper for the Giants for Bauer. We shall see. Uh, you know, he's got personality quirks and that may hold him back. He's a fantastic pitcher. Incredible. Uh, great pitcher. Uh, I'm going to say he gets five for 150. I know that's only half of what, uh, his frenemy from UCLA, Garrett Cole got, but I think it's just the market is tough. Uh, you know, I think his quirky personality is going to hurt a little bit. He may do better than that. That may be the baseline, but I'm going to say five for 150 Giants. Well, it's all a lot of money uh, at the end of the day. I, I will say uh, the Bauer one is it. So is Riamuto. Six for 132 seems like a boatload of money for a catcher, uh, especially when you're looking at Springer, who's looking in that 480, four for 80 uh, range there. Seems a little out of course, but we'll, we'll see how this works. It's going to be uh, some questions answered as we get into this. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't vouch for these predictions. They're just complete wild predictions. Right, right. No, <laughs> you no, never know. You never know. But, I mean, that's just my guess. One, you're not the only one predicting uh, yeah. a lot of these numbers, so it's right on point. All right, uh, Charlie Morton. Uh, he also will be in the mix. You know, he's had a lot of success pitching in postseason. Uh, his fifteen million dollar option was declined by the Rays. Uh, he might be a bargain for a team, John. That's what I'm thinking. I think this guy is a great big game pitcher. I, I do hear he, he's leaning toward coming back and pitching. He had talked about maybe retiring, but at this moment, I, the last I heard is he's going to come back and pitch, or at least is intending to. Um, you know, I wasn't shocked as we talked about earlier them not declining the fifteen million. But uh, to me, he's he's better than Strowman or Gosman, at least on a one year deal. Uh, and you know, some of it has to do with what, what market you're in, you know, Morton's in Tampa where they have no money and, uh, Stroman is in New York and Gosman in San Francisco. So I think that's it. But, uh, you know, if somebody signs Morton for, even for the 15 that he just got rejected for, uh, I think that's a pretty good deal for them. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's going to help somebody next year. I think with, without a doubt, our last 
item to clean up. It was a bit of a shock, but the Marlins declined their option on Brandon uh, Kitzler. Uh, he was one of their really bright spots uh, on that playoff team. Uh, what is with that? Why do you think they let him go? <laughs> Yeah, not only bright spots, uh, he got a case to be their team MVP. It's got to either be him or Aguilar. I mean, maybe somebody would favor Aguilar, but uh, Kinsler was incredible. He also saved the games that they beat the Cubs. And, uh, I mean, the guy knows how to pitch. He knows how to get people out. My understanding is they had discussion, and there were people who said he's just not a swing-and-miss guy. That's the thing. You know, you got to be, you got to get people strike out people. Uh, so he doesn't strike them out. He gets them out to me, but – uh, you know, I don't even know if it's really a decision because the Marlins have no money. They just uh, they don't have any money. They picked up the Marte option, as we said that they would. And, you know, I don't blame them at this point. They they had, had a rough time of it financially. They've done a very good job with the team, putting together prospects. I mean, now they have Sixto Sanchez and Eduardo, they have Eduardo Cabrera, who's going to be a big pitching star, and uh, Alcantara, Lopez. Uh, you know, they've really done a great job, but – financially they're in a tough spot and they, they have no money. I, I, I think Kinsler should easily get the 4 million somewhere else off of what he did. In fact, I, I think he should get a multi-year. I know it's a tough year. I know there are probably a hundred uh, are going to be a hundred free agent relievers. What, what a, what a year this is going to be uh, with all the non-tenders we're going to have to, but I, Brandon Kinsler, I think is a, is a fantastic pitcher, even if he's not a closer for somebody a contender. He was a closer for the Marlins and he got it done. So uh, uh, I, there wasn't justice there and he'll find a job uh, for similar money elsewhere, I think. Yeah, that, that one always confuses me with the analytics we have where you can put defenses in the perfect spot. Why wouldn't you want a guy who induces contact to hit the ball right into those spots that you have your defenders uh, setting up and it just is a world of craziness to me. All, and and you also want to keep pitchers pitches pitch counts down. So it would make sense that you want a guy who's actually you know not necessarily have swing and miss stuff, but gets out. I mean, isn't that the objective of the whole thing? I digress, John. I don't want to get into that too. No, much. I liked it. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna do it for this week's episode of Big Time Baseball. Coming up next. We got Bobby Valentine coming on to talk with us specifically some New York Mets stuff and talk a little bit about the analytics. He's always been ahead of the curve when it comes to that stuff. We'll have him on next. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 